This is Photo BizX, episode number 445, and this episode of the podcast had or has absolutely no agenda, but it features who I thought would be the perfect guest to not only finish 2021, but kick off 2022. I hope you love hearing from her and what she shares as much as I love talking to her. I'm talking about Kristen Kaup, and that interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am speaking a little quieter than usual because it's early here. A couple of days after Christmas, people are still asleep in the house. I've got my youngest brother and his young family staying over. We've had a fantastic Christmas with the whole family getting together on Christmas Eve. That was my side of the family and then Linda's side of the family on Christmas Day. Our two boys have both headed off on holidays to Queensland if they can make it there because of the ridiculous COVID protocols going on here in Australia. You would think it was one country here, (laughs) but it certainly doesn't feel like it. We have to get COVID tests sometime in the 72 hours before we go into another state, into Queensland, which is where a lot of people from New South Wales are heading over the Christmas period to get some of that warm weather and sunshine. But man, they are making it difficult. Anyway, I do not want to get political on the podcast, especially on a day like today where I have such a fun Well, I think it's a fun interview for you with Kristen Kaup. I always have fun talking to her. I know you're going to get a ton from what she has to share. Before we do get into that, I hope you have had a fantastic Christmas with your family. I'm not sure if I've already said that. (laughs) It's not business as usual at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, look, I hope hope you've had a fantastic time. I hope uh, you're getting some kind of a break between Christmas and New Year. I don't want to start talking about the New Year and kicking off business at this stage, so I'm going to leave the intro and the outro short for today's episode. And like I said, I really went into this interview with Kristen with no agenda at all. She's always fun and challenging to talk to, and I truly believe there will be some valuable nuggets you'll take away from this episode today with Kristen that will help you tie a bow on 2021 and kick off 2022 in the right way. It's not wholly business focused, but in saying that there are some business lessons that will come out of this, I am sure. I'm not going to hold you up any longer. Let's get into this interview with Kristen Kaup. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I must be a glutton for punishment for initiating this interview with Kristen today. Now, I love talking to this beautiful human, but she always challenges me, makes me uncomfortable, and pushes me whenever I talk to her. In saying that, the follow-up notes after an episode with Kristen are filled with positivity, reflection, breakthroughs, and growth, which I thought would make her the perfect guest to kick off 2022. Kristen's last episodes on the podcast include number 92, How to Brand Your Photography Business the Right Way, 123, How to Get the Best Portrait Photography Sales, 182, how to get paid and stay creative as a photographer. And the last time I interviewed Kristen, it was for episode 223, and the topic was life and business after quitting Facebook. 
Kristen is the author of the book, Go Your Own Way. It's the best branding workbook you will find, and it was written well before branding became a popular, sexy business topic that it is today. She's authored a bunch of other books, is a teacher, coach, speaker, podcaster, poet, and more. (laughs) And with no agenda for this episode, I'm wrapped to welcome Kristen back to the podcast. Kristen, hello again. Thank you. I sound so fancy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess first up, I mean, last time we spoke, you'd quit Facebook. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed anything about your business since you left Facebook? I'm happier. (laughs) <laughs> is a thing I've noticed. That's a thing I've noticed. Um, income is steady. It was down. It took a hit in pandemic, but I think that was more of my mental health than anything to do with Facebook. <laughs> so we're back up to the usual numbers and right where I want to be. And I don't miss Facebook in the slightest. And when I talk with my people, they all just like lean in really close and whisper things like, I fucking hate Facebook. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> But I did see that you're still on Instagram. I wouldn't say you're overly active there. So what was the reason for keeping that? To be honest, it was a little bit too much like a blog in terms of like photos. And I had that that feeling that moms have when you show them the photos and then you say you're going to delete them. Like it's the same thing with Instagram. I'm like, no, but there are so many beautiful images. Fuck, I don't want to get rid of it. Um, so it's more of an archive now. It's not a place. Um, I definitely, I try to engage. We're probably going to end up talking about mental health a little bit. Like I try to engage. And then I notice that like my thoughts get weird and my anxiety picks up and I don't like life. And that's after like half an hour of Facebook a day. And so I just, I like, I've backed off. Like how much Instagram can I take before I feel like I'm not me? And the answer is like none. I can take no Instagram before I feel like I'm not me. So I don't do it. So you're really, you're hardly using it. Um, I've logged in a few times this year. I've tried, like, I'm going to be a good student and I should do this and it's good for the business and I need to do this for my clients and blah, 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 reasons, 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 reasons. And then when I go to use it, I'm always just like, fuck, I would rather do anything than this. (laughs) (laughs) Like anything. So that's when I set up calls, I send emails, I send texts, like I will do anything to not be on Instagram at this very moment. Like it's just, it's not my jam. So like, do you actually feel that your mindset is changing when you're on Instagram? Is it when you're scrolling? Is it when you think, oh, I've got to post something or I've got to reply to comments? Like what is it about using the platform or yeah, any social media that, that changes you? Um, I think, well, arguably Facebook is one of like the most powerful entities on earth. Like they can just casually cause a genocide in another country and it's not a big deal and nothing happens to them. Like that's, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. And the fact that they can monetize your attention down to the nanosecond is so scary to me. And we're not meant to be like, here are 300 images. They are completely unrelated. As you scroll past them, try and make meaning. And like my brain tries really hard to be like, that baby elephant was totally related to that political post, which is totally related to these indigenous peoples who need to have, you know, like money donated to them right at this instant. Like my brain just gets to working so hard to like make connections and make change. And it really just ends up shutting me down and quieting me down. And like, I just, I talked less. I talk less when I use Instagram, which is really frightening to me. Like I physically speak fewer words. <laughs> and you're a talker. I'm not for the most part, but like I am paid to be a voice and paid to have thoughts. And the quality of both my voice and my thoughts decreases so drastically that it's not a valuable exchange for me. 
So, okay, in saying that, where do you get your stimulation, you know, to grow your ideas, to flesh out your ideas? Like what's – because sometimes, you know, I'm not using Instagram these days, but when I was using it, you know, I'd see photos and think, oh, that's an amazing photographer. I should think about interviewing them for the podcast. So that's a great way to see that scene. I should see scenes like that as well. And it gets me thinking Mm -hmm. creatively. Where do you get that creativity from? Like I'm a super library nerd. Like I can't tell you how many books I have reserved at the library on any given day. Like there are always books waiting for me at the library. And now that everything is basically open and I live in Philadelphia, Philadelphia has like art museums aplenty. So I like to really go and stick my face in art. And that's what gets me like moving and grooving and thinking. And because it's a different discipline than writing and speaking, it really helps. It's like taking a visual bath sometimes to stand in front of a painting that's like six feet wide and eight feet tall and just like let it do its thing on you. So more stimulus in the physical world in order to balance the less stimulus in the digital realm, I guess. Yeah. What do you think the listener will be thinking when you mention, you know, library and library books and having books on reserve? I mean, I think that will be foreign to some listeners. For sure. For some. Yeah. But like, try it. <laughs> Especially with photographers, those big art books, like those big coffee table books, they're fucking expensive, but the library has them. So like, because looking at a photograph on Instagram is not the same as looking at a photograph in print. We all know this. And so the more you can stick your face in photographs in print, the better off you're going to be as an artist regardless. So even if you don't want to read fiction or nonfiction, whatever, but like art books, stick your face in art books, they will make you better as a human and as a person. And like they, they feed your soul in a way that Instagram can't because they're trying to sell you cat food, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. So do you think, you know, with the risk of getting deep here early on, like that ages you, you know, the fact that you go to a library, like there's probably, you know, listeners in their early twenties that would potentially, I was going to say never been to a library or would never think of going to the library for inspiration when they've got, yeah. they've got a phone. I will be a proponent of libraries until the day I die. And I don't care if you think I'm an old fuck, like go to the library and check things out and explore and see and talk to like, in order to work at a library, you have to have at minimum a bachelor's degree, generally a master's degree, and then follow up education after that. Like you have access to incredibly resourced, incredibly funded humans who are there with nothing better to do than answer your questions and help you find books like for free. It's like a heist when I walk out of there every single time. Yeah. So if nothing else, if all you do after you listen to this is go to the library, I fucking win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I absolutely love the library. I can walk in there and get lost and spend hours in there easily, easily. It's a dangerous place to go there and work, actually, because less work gets done. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you touched on something. So if someone, if the listener or your, let's say you're talking to your audience and you talk about the fact that, you know, you're going to go to a library, you love the library, and that ages you. Mm-hmm. Like, does that even play a factor if your audience, you might be trying to reach, you know, the 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds who wouldn't go to the library? Oh, I'm not trying to reach 20-year-olds. They're not ready for me, frankly. They're just not. Because I like to work with people who are fed up with the bullshit. And at 20, you're not fed up with bullshit. You don't even know what the bullshit is. You just want to go and go and go and go and go and go and don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, I will be here when you need someone who, who's been there and done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about aging. Like I have, I have pink hair and I still get carded. Like appearing old is not, it's not in my top 35 to 50 problems <laughs> on any given day. What you just said, carded, what's that mean? What do you mean? Carded means um, like when you go to get a drink at a bar, they'll card you. 
to be like, are you officially 21? We need to see your card. Oh, okay. ID, right. I'd say checking your yeah. age. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. What do you call it in Australia? ID'd? Yeah, ID check, I guess. Okay. Yeah, check your ID. Yeah, we used to get fake licenses when I was young and because uh, they were just paper. <laughs> we used to get someone else's license. Oh, yeah, we can't get away with that. It's like shiny and reflective and it's yeah. got layers. Yeah, it's, it's a complex little creature. <laughs> it's changed. It's changed. Mm-hmm. So, tell me about your business, you and the pandemic. How did things play out? How do you think they're going to play out in 2022? (sighs) (laughs) I can tell you how they played out. I can't tell you how they're going to play out. That's deeply unfair questions by Andrew right there. (laughs) Um, I think like everybody else, when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, this is going to be like six weeks. You know, like uh, we're really going to be in it for like six to eight weeks. It's going to be rough. And that was like stupid and foolish, obviously. But we all learned the hard way. Luckily, I had really strong inklings for about a year and a half before the pandemic to move absolutely everything in the business online. I was doing a lot of things in person and I got like really strong, like, now it's time for that to wrap up. And I didn't understand, but I followed those inklings. So my business could continue basically the same way in 2020 in terms of my income, but not at all the same way in terms of my levels of support. Because my job went from being a business coach for people who were like, la, 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 we're in the before to we are deeply in crisis. We are all deeply in crisis at the same time. So it got about eight times harder (laughs) for the same paycheck. So it took until I would say like March of this year of 2021 for everything to kind of be like, everyone has a sense of this is where we are. This is what's going on. I think I can make this work. I think I've shifted and pivoted and like pivoted again and like done all the fucking pivoting necessary. <laughs> like it took about a year. And where I think it's going is that we just eventually accept that like we take COVID tests before we do things, before we go anywhere, before like we just, it's just part of like our routine. If in the United States, we're lucky enough to get our hands on tests then things will change. But for right now, we don't have them. You don't have testing available to everyone? If you were very lucky and you get to Walmart very early in the morning, you may find a test. Right. But you may have to go to like five Walmarts to find a test or five pharmacies or, you know, like, um, and then there's always some fucker that buys up like, oh, a pallet came in of 200 and yeah, they bought them all. (laughs) Yeah, like, so just being able to be tested is a challenge in the States right now. Okay, so this is personal testing that you can do at home where you take like a mouth swab. Okay, so we've got those here, and uh, but I think that the majority of people in Australia are going through drive-through testing, I guess clinics you could call them. They're just set up all over the place. We actually drive through, the nurse takes a nasal swab and a mouth swab, and then uh, you get a result you know, on your phone a day or two later. So do you have a lot of that too in the States? Not as much in my area, but I'm sure that exists. <laughs> but you can make appointments and get the rapid tests and whatever, but it's not, it's not drive-throughy around me. Right. Cool. What about your clients? I mean, from my understanding and from the photographers that I talked to, I mean, it was an absolute nightmare at the beginning. The brakes have sort of been let off now and there's like a ton of work out there, but it's always, it's up and down. We never know what's happening around the corner. You know, there could be another lockdown. There's other restrictions. You can't travel here. You can't do this. There's 10 people allowed at one place. Then next week it's 50. Are you seeing the same thing with your clients? Yeah, I have some some of my wedding planning clients that had people sign up like they got engaged in 2018. They're going to get married in 2019. 
And then they rescheduled their weddings. I think the record is seven times to get married eventually in 2021. And then we would have talks like, she's like, I fucking hate them. I fucking hate these clients. I'm like, that's because you've worked with them for multiple years more than you're supposed to. And you've planned their wedding seven times. Like, that's not a good scenario for any client. (laughs) Definitely not. So all everybody has contract like riders of like every reschedule costs X dollars because we learned from the seven reschedules, <laughs> you know, like what a nightmare. It's a lot. And the other feedback that I was getting from all my peeps in the wedding industry was that like, no one complained about a groom. So I'm not going to use groom here. Brides are fucking nightmares and they get more nightmare as time goes on. Like demands increase, tips disappear. Um, all my peeps in the wedding industry were really kind of pushed to their edge with like what they can handle from people during the pandemic. So if you're one of those people, like you're not alone, bitches be cray. I don't know what to tell you. Like it got out of hand. I imagine that it will kind of, kind of maybe come back to a sense of like where it was before, but I don't think it'll ever get back to the like relative chill of 2019. No, I agree. agree. Just because of how much anxiety is involved in like, planning events and then rescheduling and then rescheduling and then rescheduling yeah. and all that. I agree. You know, you mentioned mental health. You just mentioned anxiety. And funnily enough, when I have a new premium member come on board, sometimes I'll hear, well, actually often I'll hear comments like, wow, I'm surprised at how many guests suffer from anxiety or have uh, mental health issues. Uh, it seems pretty common amongst photographers. What do you say or how do you help people through those issues, if that's what you call them. I'm not even sure of the right terminology, but you, I mean, you've suffered, would you call it mental health yourself or depression? Yeah, I'd say two decades of depression is mental health, <laughs> like mental illness for sure. Yeah. Mentally ill as fuck managed, <laughs> but mentally ill for sure. Um, the first thing I do, and if I'm speaking to anybody that like secretly has depression, but doesn't want to say it to anyone it's okay. It's completely normal. It's a completely normal reaction to being alive in modern times. We're not meant to be this disconnected. I mean, it's great that I'm talking to you in Australia, but if you were the only interaction I get during a day, that's really like zooming interaction is not enough, you know? And then it's completely normal to have anxiety when you feel like the world is out of control and you don't know what's going to happen next. And that was true in 2019 when we were, the United States was deep in like Trump fascism craziness, but it's exceptionally true now when it's literally day to day, like uh, my clients with kids are like, well, the preschool shut down. So this week I have to reschedule all my clients and take care of the kids this week. Like we can't plan for next week. Of course we have anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you recognize that you have anxiety or depression? Like, does a doctor have to tell you or can you self-diagnose? So if it helps you to have a diagnosis, for sure, get one. Generally, if you feel like you have depression, you probably do. That's not a thing that you just make up for fun. And a therapist might be super helpful. Like a lot of my clients, most of my clients, they have me as a coach and they also have a therapist because I'm not a therapist. So a safe space to be able to be exactly as you are without shame is really, really important. And then the ability to just tell the truth about how you're actually doing. There were days during pandemic when it was like, yeah, I just cried all day. I don't know what to tell you. I cried all day. And if you were like, people were like, well, why did you cry? If there was like an inquiry, right? The headline that said 
a million species are going to die of climate change within the next three years if we don't do X. And I was like, fuck me, a million species. Um, so the stuff that's like completely and totally beyond my control that has an outsized amount of sort of power in my brain can take me down. So noticing what can take you down, noticing that, hey, if you don't get off the couch ever, you're more likely to be depressed than if you move your body, right? If all you eat are Cheetos and cookies, you're more likely to be depressed than if you occasionally eat vegetables. Sometimes you're not depressed, you're just dehydrated. Sometimes you're not depressed, you're just like a houseplant, you just need to go outside and have the sun hit your face. (laughs) Sometimes you're not depressed, you're just really fucking lonely, This has been the loneliest stretch of being alive that I've experienced just because it's mandated loneliness. Like Mm -hmm. I canceled this interview. It was scheduled for like two weeks ago and I had to cancel it because I was isolating from COVID. My best friends lived downstairs. One had COVID. The other obviously had been exposed. We all went out to a restaurant. We didn't know because she was asymptomatic. It's complex and it's, it's really, really isolating when it comes down to two weeks alone in order to not spread this disease. Yeah. So if you're talking to someone, you know, let's say a coaching client, for example, and they, they feel like they're depressed and, you know, taking what you said earlier, that probably means they are depressed. Like, what do you say to them? Like, is the first thing just to get outside, to get off the couch, to be active? Because from what I understand, and I know nothing about mental health and depression is that you shouldn't just tell someone to, Hey, snap out of it. Just go outside and do some sport and exercise. (laughs) No, it's by no means a snap out of it. Right. It's a little <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> so I think the first step is just normalizing like depression rates. Every time they do a study during pandemic, they find that depression rates are like skyrocketing. They're this exponential curve that just keeps going up and doesn't appear to have an upper limit. So it's more and more normal as this goes on that your systems are weary and you can't handle this. So I ask what their brain says to them, usually. Like, what does your brain say to you? Usually your brain says just really, really terribly abusive and terrible, awful things. And if a brain is silent, then I'm like, tell me about what you feel. And the more that you say, like, I feel nothing, I feel dead. I feel like if a great white shark busted through that door and came to eat me, I'd be like, "Mm." been there, done that. Like, just sort of a, a flat, like nothing can phase you, even if it's amazing. Even if it's terrible, even if your house is on fire, you're just sort of flat. It's the flat that I identify the most with depression. And so that's when it's like, hey, tell a human you love that you think you might be depressed, even though you find it horrifically embarrassing and you think you should be better than that. And I work with a lot of really smart, really creative people. And so they're like, I can just do this myself. Entrepreneurs, I can just do this myself. I can handle this myself. There's nothing I can't do all by myself. And this is a thing where like, get fucking help and do things by yourself, but also get fucking help. Um, Yeah. Depression is this, like, it's like a quiet killer. Cause there's no way to know, like if you were depressed right now, if you were having some sort of horrific thoughts in your brain, you're very smart. You're able to hide those to be like, I have other questions to ask you. Let's talk about the specifics of your camera. Tell me about your, you know, like you're smart enough to not share those things. And so the less human interaction that we have, the easier it is to just be alone with your thoughts. And being alone with your thoughts is, can be really objectively terrible if you're depressed. Yeah, that sounds scary. If you're thinking bad things, then that sounds like a scary place to be. So like you said, the best thing is to go and talk to someone else. 
Yeah. And talk to someone who's not an asshole. <laughs> I often when I talk with my, uh, my peeps, some of them, I'll be like, go and talk with your partner about this. And some of them I'm like, under no circumstances, talk to your partner because they're completely unsupportive. I need you to talk to somebody who's going to be safe and be able to hear you instead of being like, you're not depressed. You're fine. That's completely ignoring you. That's just writing you off. That's not it. That's not where we're going with this. Or just minimizing like, ah, buck up or um, what did someone snap out of it, (laughs) snap out of it, cheer up buttercup, like just shit. That's like, what? Yeah. No, this is not. If somebody has diabetes, you're not like cheer up buttercup, you know, like that's not, that's not a reasonable response to a disease, particularly one that's in your brain. That's often trying to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you could go to your your partner or who you think might be able to help or someone to confide in. If you do get a response like that, then go and find someone else. Yeah. A lot of it, the first step, especially if you're at like baby depression, not meaning the depth of it, but like you're new to it and you're not used to knowing what to do. The shame of it is what will kill you. It's not the depression itself. It's I'm bad. I'm wrong. There's something wrong with me. I should be better at this. And no one else is having these feelings. No one else is like this. No one else is experiencing this. I should be able to be better than I am. And those are all just lies that shame tells you. There's no shame in being depressed. Welcome to being human. The only thing to be ashamed of is to lie to yourself because that's just going to harm you in the long run. So that's where just talking to anybody safe is fantastic. And then a therapist is great too. Yeah, I like that. You had me thinking about a conversation that I've had with my younger son, Jordan, a couple of times when you're talking about a million species being wiped out and how that made you feel depressed and uh, sent you into a funk. So a conversation that we've had a couple of times with Jordan is, um, you know, we talk about the pandemic and I, I talk about standing up for your rights and what you believe in. And his comeback is, Dad, I'm just one person. What am I going to do? How can I change anything? What would you say if you were Jordan's dad, if he said something like that to you? (laughs) Um, I would say Greta Thunberg's just one person too, and she's getting some shit done. Yeah. He would probably say, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not like that. Okay. You can still go on strike for climate. You can still do your work. I think a lot of what's really challenging about climate change for me is not that it's happening it is that feeling of like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like not use plastic bags, whoopty shit, you know? Yes. So finding anything that takes care of that, whether that's getting involved in local neighborhood cleanup or planting a garden or contributing dollars to an organization that's helping or going to pick up garbage at the beach or like any physical actions, dare I date myself by making them physical and not like just purely digital Physical actions will help you to create meaning because the meaning you need to create when you're in that space is I can make a difference. I can make change. I can help. I can contribute in some way, even if it's not saving the world levels of contribution. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, because it's easy for he just sees himself as such a like a you know, one small raindrop in a storm and thinking, well, mm-hmm. what, what am I going to do? And his, his comeback is, I just want to enjoy life, Dad. I just want to enjoy my, my age. I've had two years robbed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. We're finally being able to go out and have a, go to a party now. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to think about all that stuff. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. It's tough. That's really coming up against meaninglessness. Like, if I try, it won't matter anyway. Yes. Yeah, it's true. 
So tell me about your business. Like, what are you doing these days? How are you earning an income? <laughs> because I know you're writing, you know, you've got your poetry and I talked about one of your books, Go Your Own Way, which I absolutely love and still recommend today. <laughs> what are you doing to help your clients? I'm doing business coaching online, thankfully through the pandemic, so I can work with anybody from anywhere. But the work I'm doing, oddly enough, I realize that like the longer pandemic goes on, the more that we need people in person more than we've ever needed them before. So I'm spending 2022 holding a series of workshops in person here in Philly. We take a bouquet of COVID tests in the morning, every morning. And then we do, we do our big, deep work of what is it that we want to do in this condition? Because I think I spent a lot of 2021 in sort of pause mode. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to be able to get away with. Maybe this will be over and I'll be able to not have to build my whole fucking business around the pandemic. Um, that, that did not pan out, right? We're still here. So what I can give people, like in all truth and sincerity, what I can give them is a deep sense of community and communion with total fucking strangers. It's one of my magics. So I just bring people together for a number of days in Philly and we go as deep as you can possibly go. And I send them on their merry way and we smoke pot on my front porch at the end and then (laughs) they peace out. And I have a, a structure in place for them to meet as a group without me for the 12 weeks following so that they can make progress, but then they have each other and they can just like, it's a little ship that I just sort of launch and like, there you have each other now. And I'm just, I'm just like making ship, putting people in lifeboats and launching them effectively in 2022 to really let people have deep connection with each other. Cause if you have another person that you can be completely a hundred percent, tell your deepest, darkest to, and they go, okay, Life is a whole lot better than if you don't have that person or that series of people. So that's what I'm doing in 2022. So you're doing this, you're moving things online anymore. You're going back offline to in-person. Yeah. In tiny, 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 tiny groups, like five to seven people. And then you meet, I love you together. And then you love each other together. And then we do it again. That's strangely enough what 2022 is asking of me. So that's what I'm doing. Wow. So what happens? Like, is this a one day thing? Is it a 10 day thing? 10 days, Christ, no. (laughs) No, what it is. um, So I had COVID like exactly two years ago. I was one of the first people to have COVID. Like before it had a name, we took my partner to urgent care and they called him a pussy because all the tests came up negative for pneumonia, the flu and the common whatever. And it was like, oh, it's because he had COVID. It didn't have a name yet in December, 2019. So I got COVID, almost died recovered, but like long COVID and brain fog took a lot from me. And so I couldn't, at some point in early 2020, I was like, I'm never going to be able to teach again. I can't concentrate for more than an hour and a half. So to be able to teach like I do now, we do an evening and then we do two, like eight to four, eight to five, depending on pandemic brain days. It's just really like the best, the best, best gift. And we talk about all the things like What is it that sucks about your life? What is it that's amazing about your life? What do you want your life to do? How do you want your life to grow? How do you want your business to grow? What would you like to have happen? And then there's always that really boring part of like, if you want that to happen, what are the things that you need to commit to doing? And it's usually really, really, really basic stuff. Like you're going to have to commit to like, actually sending out a newsletter and doing your marketing or actually drinking water and eating vegetables or actually moving your body or actually asking for help instead of just letting everyone pile shit onto you. And then there's no time for you or actually learning to take days off instead of just hustling until you fall down. 
And then you're held accountable for doing whatever it is you said we're going to do. <laughs> so it sounds like you come up with a plan for, say, the next 12 months or two years or five years, and then the group goes away, is responsible for holding each other accountable for actually taking action and getting that stuff done. So I'm only responsible for the 12 weeks following. Right. So we only plan for the about the next six months, and then they are responsible for the next three months. Just because I feel like a five-year plan is like, think about where you were five years ago. Sure. Could you have predicted that you would be living through a pandemic in like a super chill, low key way? Probably not. Yeah, that's true. So like, where are we going to be in five years? I don't fucking know. <laughs> no, no. So are you expecting people then to come into these groups and say, you know, I want to, you know, have a, a multiple six figure business. I want to be generating $200,000 with my photography business in two years time. Is that the kind of thing you're expecting or is it more, I want to wake up feeling fantastic about the day? Um, it's more, I want to feel like myself, especially after pandemic. I just want to feel like myself again. I just want to feel connected again. I just want to find a way back to my work because a lot of people sort of lost it. I want to find a way back to, to growing in some way instead of um, it's basically like there's been a collective pause and we're all coming out of it at different speeds. And this is the like, how can we come out of this thing in a way that's really healthy? And how can we do business in a way that's really sustainable? So like, I want to do 200 grand in two years. Great. Is that sustainable for you? Cause ultimately there's a lot of time math involved. And if we find out you have like two hours every two weeks to work on your business and you want to make the 200 grand in two years, like that's, I call bullshit. It's not physically possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is being honest about how much time, money and energy you have and then how much time, money and energy you would like to have. Cause I never address money without addressing time and energy as well. Right. Are you the type of coach that will say, well, hang on, this is unrealistic. This is undoable in the current format and call bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm working with hyper competent women that are like, well, I just, you know, I just have my full-time day job. That's like 40 hours a week. And then I have take care of the kids. I'm like, how's your partner? Oh, he's, you know, working continuously. We're out of town. I'm like, okay. And then tell me about the weekends. Well, I got to take the kids to this and this and this and this and tell me about Sundays. I just kind of like fall face down into the bed. Okay. So tell me when the business is going to happen around this. And when we're really honest about it, often there's not a lot of time. And so the work is carving out the time to be able to do the business in the first place in many, many cases. Okay. All right. So it's really restructuring your life to get to your goals, if that's possible. At some level. Yeah. Yeah. It's always possible. It's often, a, it's a lot of asking for help which people just don't like to do, especially in like, I don't know about in Australia, but in America, it's very much like I can do it myself. Nobody tells me what to do. And then you add being an entrepreneur on top of that. And it's just like, I don't need help. Fuck you. I don't need no help. But you do though, but you do. Everyone does. There's no shame in needing help. It's just part of being human. So what kind of help are you talking about? Is it like babysitters or I've got, I've got no idea. What do you mean by help? Help. Um, things people ask for help for, like, because uh, healthcare is so expensive, like going to the doctor is an example of help. The chiropractor, the acupuncturist, the massage therapist, um, any mental health professional. Hiring me is asking for help. Hiring a coach is asking for help. It's fantastic. Help with childcare, help with photographers prying their fucking raw photos out of their cold, dead hands and outsourcing them to somebody who can do that shit for like 10 bucks, but you waste like 17 hours a week on it, asking for help. <laughs> so looking for tasks to outsource, looking for items that are just like 
you don't need to be doing that. Someone else can be doing that and you can pay them to do that because it's a big, huge waste of your time. So finding sources of time inefficiency, finding sources of energy drain, finding sources of um, that client is a hellhole. Just fire them and be done instead of like <laughs> continuously like, I can do it, I can do it. And then they just suck your soul, especially if there are multiple soul sucking clients. So just refusing to do absolutely everything in your life by yourself without ever asking for help is a thing that I am often helping people work through. Nice. So how do you kick off? Like when you're going in to help someone, say, let's say I hire you as a coach. What's the first thing we do? Do I map out where I want to go? Do I map out my current issues? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So you fill out a questionnaire and you tell me everything. And I just, it's one of those, like, you could try and hide it, but I'll find out anyway. It'll just waste time. So like, just go. And what we usually find is that there's a divide between where they would like to be and where they are. And they don't know how to bridge the gap between this is where I am. This is where I'd like to be. I can see where I would like to be in many cases. And I have no fucking clue how to get there. And then the overwhelm of like, oh my God, I think that you start to swirl with like, well, there are so many options. I don't know. I should probably just... And then they go into, because they're super nerds, buying programs. So often they'll come to me like 2,000, 1,000, 600, 500, 300, 200, you know, like every fucking program on earth has been purchased and we're no further along because there is no plan for doing the programs. We're just buying them, getting the little downloads and passwords and then fucking off and not doing them. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So that's where I'm like, okay, we're going to stop buying programs. Programs are great, but if you don't do them, they're not great. So that, so like, what is Andrew's, like, how was your pandemic? What's your business doing? What would you like it to be doing? Where's the gap between like what it's doing and where you'd like it to go? Right. So it's really a moment to stop and reflect and then set some goals and then go after them. I love that. Yeah. But we're always gut checking the goals against like, is that your mother-in-law's goal? Is that your partner's goal? Is that somebody told you that that should be a goal? Cause that's a fucking stupid goal. Like we're always gut checking them against like, is that what you really, 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 really need and want Yeah. versus like, it's just more money. I don't give a fuck about more money. It's not that interesting. <laughs> so is that what you find? Like with some of your clients that they think that they need to be earning 100, 200, $300,000, but that's because society's told them that's what they need to earn or their mother-in-law said that's what they need to earn. Yeah. Or because they read Rachel Rogers, we should all be millionaires and they want a seven figure business. I'm like, do you want to, have a staff of 15 to 20 people. Well, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like these things, these goals that are completely arbitrary, they have caveats like try running Amazon by yourself. It's not going to fucking happen. You know, <laughs> like, are you good at management? Do you love management? Are you good at people? Are you good at coordinating and logistics? If yes, then let's talk. But if not, then no. Right. So do you see that? Do you see that some people or a lot of people, particularly in the, let's say the photography space or the creative space, do you think they set goals that are too high without really thinking about those goals? It's not so much the amount of money as it is the like, what that's going to cost you because everything has a cost. So sometimes the difference between like, I want to have a six figure business and I want to have a seven figure business. That's a whole different life. Like your life is different as a result of choosing that goal versus like the difference between, you know, a 20% increase or whatever. So generally I'm helping people to harness momentum and to like increase incrementally. I'm generally not trying to go from like 
zero to six figures in 20 seconds for 20 grand or some shit, you know, because like, <laughs> we've all seen the gimmicks. We know that they're bullshit. And there's always a one testimonial from the Facebook group full of 14,000 people that did it. And there are the results may vary example, but for the most part, I don't think we all need seven figure businesses. I think we need to know what's enough and especially what's enough time, what's enough money, what's enough energy, and then go for that. So how do you define enough? Like, is that an exercise you go through with your clients? Yes. And make them figure out their enough number. So you don't have to stop at your enough number, but you have to know your enough number in terms of like, this is what means that the business is sustainable. This is what keeps it sustainable in your household. This is what feels like this job is worth doing. Because one of the most demoralizing things in the early years of being an entrepreneur is feeling like I'm working so hard. And then you look in your bank account and you got paid $400 this month. And you're like, I worked uh, like the despair of that. Right? So how do we set this thing up from the beginning so that you're getting paid so that you don't hate this thing as it grows? So I'm much more interested in growing it organically versus like it has to hit this goal no matter what. And no matter what that costs you at a soul level, especially during pandemic, that grind, the grind has a cost. Yeah, I agree. So do you ever tell any clients that, hey, Maybe you should just do the creative stuff for fun and, you know, do the other things in your life that you need to do and keep that as a fun thing rather than trying to make money from it. Only if it's making them miserable. Right. I've helped a few people come to the conclusion that actually I fucking hate this industry. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, okay, well, that's, that's good to know. Like, like, tell me what you like about your photography business. I like money, like anything else. No. Like, okay, well, that's a good indicator that it's not sustainable. If you hate everything about your business, it's probably not a long-term solution to this problem. So only if it's just misery. So what if it's the other side? What if they love their business? They love the clients. They love the photography. They love love everything about it, except they're not making enough money. And we keep working. We find a way. Yeah, right. So I know you're saying you find a way. Is there... Like, tell me the secrets. (laughs) Yeah. Is there some general things that you see missing? Like, is it just a matter of, hey, you need to raise your prices or you need to appeal more, more specifically to your ideal clients? Does it become about branding, pricing, products? Where does it generally fall? Like, tell me the magical things, goddammit. Exactly. (laughs) So having looked at so many fucking thousands of photographers' websites, the images alone do not do the talking. Images alone do not sell. If you just have images and a contact page, you're doing yourself a disservice. People need words and probably flashy, shiny parallax and gifs and shit now too. But words are helpful. They help us know you. They help us understand you. They help us understand your processes and your pricing. So just a portfolio and then have words somewhere to explain you and your process. You're ahead of a lot of photographers. Pricing generally is if it makes sense people notice. And if it doesn't make sense, people also know that and they will exploit it. So just make sure that it's consistent. Generally, if you have an hourly rate, that's helpful because that makes it super easy to build out packages instead of like, well, this costs $700 because I don't like it. And this costs $300 because I like doing it. Like that doesn't make any goddamn sense, everybody. We need to be consistent with pricing. So consistency in pricing is a beautiful thing. That hourly rate, Kristen, that can be something that we have. It's not necessarily on our website, is it? Right. 
right, right. So that's what we know what we want to work for or we're happy to work for. Yes. Yeah. Typically that's going to, um, because people falsely equivocate an hour of shooting is an hour of work. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. So that's for you to break down as a photographer. An hour of shooting is how much editing, how much calling, how much emailing, how much all that other stuff. And then based on that, how much does that hour need to be? So a consistent hourly rate words on your website. And again, asking for help, people will come to me and be like, well, she said that I could be on her podcast, but I said no because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm afraid or I don't have time. I'm like, bullshit, get on the podcast. What are you doing? What are we doing? So when opportunities come flop like to you, accept them. <laughs> so even if you're scared, absolutely. What's the worst that will happen? The interview goes to shit. Like if this interview was like off the rails, I would just be like, Andrew, can we please just pretend this never happened? That's it. That's all that has to happen. Yeah. And this interview never happened. Like if it goes that completely awry, oh well, you'll survive. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. And um, just on the words, I mean, you're saying you're good with words. Mm-hmm. And our very first interview, which was, I think, eight years ago, something crazy or seven years ago, you made me realize that you can literally be yourself in regards to your words on your website. That's okay, isn't it? Like you can say that you go to the library and borrow books. <laughs> yeah, it's the best thing because it means that when people come to me, they have something in common with me. They aren't just like, hello, standard human. I would like your rates like that. Um, one of the things, I don't know if you have an equivalent of the not.com in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Even, okay, yeah. And the sorts of leads that you get from there are just like, hey, what are your rates? Yes. Times a thousand a day. And the inquiries that you get from when you've actually presented yourself on your website using your words are going to be, they're going to be beautiful. You're going to know right away whether you're a connection. They're going to know right away whether you are worthy of like working together, whether that's going to be fun or not. It's a whole different experience than this sort of generic, like, yo, what are your rates? Because if you give generic words, you're going to get generic words back. And if you give like the fullness of your being to your business and especially to your words, you're going to get that right back as well. For sure. I love that. What if you are hypothetically, you're a wedding photographer, so you are trying to appeal to, let's say, late 20s, early 30s, and Mm -hmm. you love going to the library, but there's a fair chance that your target audience don't. You know, they'd rather be scrolling through Facebook or Insta or reading books on their Kindle rather than going to the library and searching on Amazon, will you still share that fact that you love the library and books? Yeah. So what if it's going to scare them away? Fuck them. Or they're not going to connect with it? (laughs) Um, But you said that they read Kindle, which means that, like, then you're just an old-fashioned Kindle lover. That's fine. Like, I prefer the original Kindle, which is, like, taking a book to the beach. It's fine. You're still readers, so if we focus less on the modality, like I'm a record collector, I'd be like, bitch, I only listen to Spotify, but you still love music, yes. right? So we connect on that deeper love of music, love of books, love of art, love of photographs, love of dogs, love of, I don't give a fuck what, but if you tell us what you love, we will tell you right back. And we will say like, oh my God, that's amazing. I love this about you. And the more chances that you take generally, the more reaction that you'll get. So the more specific that you are about what it is that you love, what it is that you want, what it is that you're trying to do, and the more honest you are about that with the internet, which is scary, 
the more likely that's the only chance that people have of actually seeing you via the internet, which is scary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Okay. It does. But staying with my hypothetical, see, let's say, let's say this is a hypothetical. You are an aging, aging wedding photographer. Let's say you, you know, you're approaching 50 or even hit 50, you're still trying to attract that younger demographic. Do you still talk about the library or do you leave the library out and talk about books and reading instead? I don't think that's going to kill you or torture you. At 50, hopefully you've been doing it long enough that you have word of mouth upon word of mouth upon word of mouth and you're the only choice because that's who everyone in your family uses and there's really no other choice because that's our guy and we fucking love him. And he's in every family photo from every wedding that's ever existed, including Christy and Stacy's recent divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So even for someone that's not as, uh, hasn't been in the industry as long as that, and they are approaching that age, like you said, it's not going to torch them. They can still relate to the reader, but not hide the fact that they love the library. And I I know I'm going, um, you know, granular on this, but I think it's a huge point. Like you really can be yourself. I think it's so important. If it's important to you, if you don't give a fuck about the library, then don't talk about the library. Sure. Sure. We all have these things that are like lifeblood for us that are like just really vital to our being. And if you're like, well, no, I don't give a fuck about that because, you know, TikTok, like, no, no, then just show us who you are on TikTok or wherever you're doing it. But like, The only way we can connect with you is if you show us who you are. Otherwise, if you put up some shitty mask, then we're interacting with the shitty mask. You can't see my hands, I realize, because it's a podcast. I'm doing all sorts of hand gestures that are not at all helpful. (laughs) But like the shittier the quality of the mask you put up, the shittier the quality of the interactions you'll have with people. So if you're really fed up with the people that are sending inquiries or that are interacting with you in any capacity, look at what is the quality of what you are putting into the world in terms of not in terms of your work, which is generally fantastic. Photographers obsess about their images. What else are you sharing about yourself and your life? How are you letting us connect with you as a human? Because we're going to reflect that right back when we inquire and talk to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I referenced go your own way earlier in the intro. Is that still a great place to work this stuff out? It's a good starting point, yeah. A starting point? Yeah. I, I, to me, it's the Bible. Like, what do you mean a start? <laughs> what do you mean a starting point? <laughs> yeah, it's that. I think go your own way is those beginning steps into like, what the fuck am I even doing here? And what does having a business mean to me? And what does this look like? And how does this feel? And like, it's sort of like when you start a business, you're building a ship and you're like, I have no idea how to build a ship. And like, well, you just fucking do it. But like, that's not helpful, actually. <laughs> And so before you start listening to smart passive income and just trying to, you know, crank up your evergreen content, know who you are, know what you're doing, know where you're trying to go, even in the most vague sense, really get those fundamentals in place, really attempt to be a human first and a business owner second. That's the whole secret to this whole thing and go from there. So, yeah, I think that's still available at kristenkelp.com slash shop. Yeah, I saw a link there earlier. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Kristen, you've been amazing again. Uh, you, haven't, uh, you haven't made me too uncomfortable this time, which is really nice. My damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was sweating before we started recording. I said, ah, oh, Linda, I've got Kristen on again today. I don't know what she's going to ask me or where she's going to take this. But <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to just go with it and see what happens. Where is the best place for the listener to get pushed and pulled by you? I should say, 
<laughs> I mean that in the nicest possible way. In a non-sexual way, yes. Um, <laughs> it's all virtual these days. <laughs> so kristenkelp.com and then finding your enough number. I'm fairly certain that it's kristenkelp.com slash enough. I'll literally walk you through finding your enough number because I feel like that's the important first step before you go into the insane I need 450 G's within the next 20 seconds kind of a place, you know? <laughs> Kristen, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad you threw that, well, through the COVID. Uh, well, did you have symptoms a couple of weeks ago or you just, you were just a close contact? No, I was just in the, the hellish isolation phase. I was like, I'm not in the space to talk to Andrew. This would go very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you threw that. And hopefully, hopefully 2022 is a lot, lot brighter than 2021. And again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you have. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Kristen as much as I did in recording it. Kristen, if you are listening again, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did and for being such a fantastic guest. I truly love having you on the podcast whenever we get a chance to speak. And I truly hope that your 2022 is everything that you want it to be. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what she had to share. If you want to follow up with Kristen, I've got links to all the past episodes I've recorded with her. I've got links to where you can find her online, links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the podcast interview today. All that information is over at photobizx.com forward slash 445. And of course, <laughs> I went into autopilot there. I was about to say, and of course, if you are a premium member, you'll have access to Kristen inside the members Facebook group, but you won't because Kristen is not on Facebook. So you'll have to reach out to her either on Instagram, via email, get onto her email list if you want to hear from her regularly, or you can just reach out to her. I mean, she will reply. She is amazing like that. She's always happy to help. And I know that if you did enjoy today's interview, and you just wanted to say thanks for coming on, she would love to hear from you as well. Like I said earlier, I'm going to keep things short for today's episode. I hope you have had a fantastic Christmas. hope you're enjoying the break, as long or as short as it may be for you. I know that here in Australia, we tend to have longer breaks over Christmas. Maybe it's a little bit different in the Northern Hemisphere. Either way, Happy New Year for later in the week. I'll be back next week with another interview. It'll be back to business as we kick off 2022. Until then, stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 